Welcome to a special season of the Success is My Religion podcast. I am in partnership with the HBCU Experience Movement. This movement is to highlight HBCUs. They wrote a couple books, and the authors of those books are coming on my podcast to talk about themselves, what they're doing, how how HBCUs affected them, and and help them propel their lives to such heights and success. Um, so we're going to highlight these authors of the books that they have out, the HBCU uh, experience movement. These ladies and gentlemen graduated from those HBCUs. They're doing powerful things. And as we all know, success leaves clues. And these conversations will definitely add tremendous value to you in your success journey. I hope you enjoy. Share this podcast. Give me those five stars and leave a comment. Welcome to another episode of Success is My Religion podcast. I am your host, Michael Taylor, the success engineer. I am here with Chelsea Johnson. Um, She's a co-author of the HBCU Queens book, which is, I hear, a bestseller right now. And is is that true, Chelsea? That's true. God is so good. We are all bestselling authors. And so that is true to say. All right. And this lady is phenomenal it's this is my first time meeting her but on paper this lady is phenomenal so without further ado let me introduce this young lady um she is an educator basketball coach um she has a program that she founded called the cougar kings program that mentors young gentlemen Uh, she's a distinguished educator uh award winner top educator of American award winner, America award winner, just last year, um, former student athlete, has a master's degree, held a 4.0, a part of the Delta Sigma Theta sorority, um, God be graduates, Hall of Fame in athletics, creator of Coach's Bible Study, singer, you married and a woman of faith. <laughs> Did I go through everything? You got it, man. You got it. <laughs> so do you have any kids? That's why I didn't know. Not yet. I don't have any kids, but it's okay. coming. Hello. Claim that. Can you hear me, Michael? Yeah. All right. I said I don't have kids yet, but I'm going to go ahead and claim that too. All right. Hey, go ahead and claim. You already got kids. You're an educator. Like they all Hey, say hard. so. You know that all too well. And they are my babies. They know that. <laughs> and that's why I've got to treat. I treat like I, I'm in high school. So um, I treat them like my brothers and sisters. Like you know, I need to teach you to be leaders for the next next generation of leaders. That's it. That's it. All day long. I had I teach high school as well. So I had two years me the other day and you know battling on wait i'm your son who is this person talking about they're your son and so you know you get <laughs> all day long you understand how that's such a joyous moment yeah 
Definitely. I, and I, this is my first year at the school that I'm currently at. And at the end of the year, you know, we had, I mean, the pandemic and we shut down and all that. But um, just through the first year, like one of my students, she she thanked me for all the help that I, I poured into her just in that first year. And I, I was like, man, that's that's amazing that I was the first person that she thanked. And, wow. <laughs> and I was like, I, I only know the girl for eight months, you know, nine months. <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. But we are here to talk about the HBCU Queens book. We will get to that. But like, I want to kind of focus on like, what got you to this point? And you, just just go into that. You know, it's so funny. You know, if you would have asked me 15 years ago, was I going to go into education and mentorship? My answer would have been no. Um, my mother is an educator of 40 plus years in the school system. Um, and I watched her do exactly what you and I just talked about. Um, she enjoyed empowering young people, especially, you know, dealing with our at-risk youth or as one of my sister's uh, programs that she works for in Atlanta, they rather say at promise. And I watched her do that and empower so many young people. But when I watched her do that on the outside, looking into a young person, that looked like too much work for me. That looked like too much stress for me. Mm -hmm. And I was going to be a dentist. That was my plan. And much like my pastor said this morning, he said, we make arrangements, but only God gives us the plan. Mm -hmm. And going through some health challenges, which I'm sure, you know, you and I'll delve into a little bit later in this conversation. Um, you know, God redirected my past and I realized that my purpose in life was to deal with our young people. Um, and so I transitioned from my science background and I came into education and utilized those science degrees that I thought were for dental school um, to empower our young people within the STEM programs and within basketball. And, you know, 11 years later, here I am and I love it every single day. It has its challenges, but I love it every single day. Definitely. See, I, I always tell people that every experience that we go through, positive and negative, is going to affect your gift and it's going to enhance your gift and, and what you do ultimately. And we mm -hmm. don't know that for a while, like even going through school, high school, college, we don't get that. We don't know exactly what we're meant to do until we come to that point where we like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. And this is how I can use this, this, and this to help other people. Correct. I totally agree with you there. Totally agree with you there. And to be able to build a blueprint, um, you and I both are in high school, so you know that. To be able to take these young people who, much like you and I, we didn't really know what our purposes were. And then to see them years later, I've been in this thing long enough now to see some of my young people get their college degrees. And so it is every single day. Yeah, and and I'm I I use the school system as a tool for to help with those foundational um, requirements or foundational requirements for success. So like time management, organization, those different types of things. So when I talk, because I'm a I'm like the college and career advisor. My okay. title is the college and career facilitator. So I work nice. with dual credit and concurrent credit students. And um, I'm all about like getting them ready for life and not just 
the college or whatever. It's so there. <laughs> you can go either way. You can go into work first, or you can go into college. So absolutely, I'm, I just want them to be be conscious of their decisions and be creators of their future. Absolutely, I think that's amazing. I think that is one one what you said, being conscious of your future. So many times, you know, our young people come out of education. And they have no idea, not even a thought about what they want to do or what opportunities are out there. So I'm so glad that you're in that line of work because it's much needed, much right. needed. Right. And uh, talk about your your Cougar Cougar Kings program. What what is that about? Absolutely. So this past year, I, you know, I'm blessed. I actually work at the same school where I attended. Okay. I'm oh, a- yeah school alumna. And so every single day that I teach at Gabby High School, you know, our administration is amazing. But we do we do teach a population of students who now have a different look and face um, and challenges that they face than when I attended Gabby. It, it, it much is, it much reminds me of the uh, movie Lean on Me, mm-hmm. uh, Clark, and, and how when he went to was teaching at that school, it was top of the mark, hidden, you know, A plus all those things. And then he went away to do other things and came back and said, what is going on? You know, and so being a basketball coach and being young and being able to relate to our young people, the young guys, and I'm so thankful for it, they listen. And every single day, and it's sad, whether I know these students, whether they're attending a different school, there is a young man lost to gun violence or, you know, their lives are basically coming to a halt for sentences that they're now having to serve in prison because of just frivolous activity, because as you said, they have no consciousness about what they're. And so, you know, you get to a point where you can talk about it, you can share it, you can say, this is crazy. Why do these young people keep doing this? But at what point are we going to stop talking the talk and walk the walk? Right. You know, a couple of my colleagues, we spoke and we had just lost one of our students, Uh, the young man, I'm looking at his face, uh, Kobe Mathis. Um, He actually was in my class and I say his name. I used to refrain from doing that. But the reason I say those names to make it real and he we lost him to gun violence. And it was one of those things where it's like, y'all, enough is enough. What are we going to do about this? I'm tired of seeing rest in peace. I'm tired of T-shirts. I'm tired of all of these things. What can we do to save our babies? And, you know, I just said, you know what? I want to get them all in one space. I talked to our dean and our administration. I said, can you get me the young men that by statistics, grades, Uh, referrals, all of these things. Can you get me those? The ones that people don't want to touch, give them to me. I want you to bring them to me. I'm not asking you for anything. Just bring them to me. I want to talk to them. I want to see what we could do to help them. Um, They compiled some reports and they gave me uh, 30 of our young men that I will say again is at promise. I didn't come up with that term, but I hate to say at risk. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked, got them together And we just started planning some things out to try to, again, I'm going to keep using yours, awaken their consciousness about what can be to show them other black young men that are out in the world doing things and not just black, but young people that are doing things that's not gun violence, that's not selling drugs. And if we could save one, that's what I tell my principal, if we can just save one, if we cannot attend one less funeral, I will be okay with that. So we did mentorship programs with them, had different people come in. Of course, the pandemic stopped things. But to hear young men messaging you and coming back and say, you know, you know, Miss Johnson, I'm so thankful for this because I didn't really know my GP, what my GPA even was. 
Mm. You no, know, and, and much like credit recovery that you know, they're spending the summer trying to retrieve some of those credits so they can start the, the year fresh and anew because now their consciousness has been uh, you know, tapped into that there can be more than a jail cell or unfortunately bearing a grave. Right. And like they have to, it, it, because a lot of the classes that we take in school don't necessarily relate to life. Absolutely. And we have to make that connection that you're not just taking this class for the grade and to learn the the math or whatever it's the the little foundational skills of learning something that you don't necessarily want to do but you have a spirit of excellence so that you can move on and build from that so when you get to and and this is what i think about high school or you know just uh education in general uh, the education that we have to have are required by law is that we like it we we need to use that as the foundation and building blocks to learn, uh, figure out what we how what we need to learn, how we need to learn, and how we learn it ourselves. Absolutely. Because um, the stuff, like I don't remember none of the stuff from high school. Really, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I don't remember that stuff. But no, I get you. But we have to start making a connection because they just like, oh, I don't, I don't need that. I don't need that. Or like it's not that important, but the foundational elements to the process of learning, you do need to practice. And Absolutely. you do need to, because once you get to a point where you can pick what you learn or what you're learning and, and it actually applies to something, you'll be able to, I call it pivot, like you'll be able to pivot in that direction. But if you don't have those foundational skills, you're setting yourself up for really disappointment and ultimate failure because a lot of people just quit after that. Absolutely. You're, you're totally right when you say all of that. And another you know, key point to that is the name. And that's why I call the term Cougar Kings, um, because a lot of times that, you know, we tell them it's not what you're called, but it's what you're answered to. But sometimes it is what they're called. Mm -hmm. And, you know, words have power and I call them that. Hey, my king, you know, we always say if somebody's tall, oh, you look like you could be a basketball player. I tell them all the time, you look like you'd be a doctor, man. You know, yeah, instead of just entertainment. Yeah. And you have to speak life into these babies, you know, and and that's really what I try to do every single day. And I want to I want to pivot now into your head (laughs) basketball coach and uh are you your women's women's basketball coach? Yes, I am. You know, okay. I do on the women's side. Yes. And, and so women is kind of a little bit different because <laughs> women are are academics and sports oriented. Like it wasn't it's not ingrained in them to go to the WNBA type of thing. So right. what I deal with and I was a basketball player. And I, I see the the silo that we're bit, we get, get put into of you're just an athlete and don't worry about school or anything else. How do you deal with that aspect of it? Because I, it's hard for me to even work with like coaches and stuff because I come from a, a different perspective because I, I wasn't necessarily um, – I was an outsider in my college basketball team because – I did a whole bunch of upon 
<laughs> and they just didn't like wow. the coaching staff didn't like me for some reason. I was like, I'm the model student. Like I'm I'm at practice every day. I'm at games every day. I'm the captain, you know, all of these different things. But the like head coach and, and different things, they didn't like they didn't like me for some reason. And it, it wasn't because of me. It was just I don't know that that's all I can come to the conclusion is that they wanted me to silo myself into just sports. And I I think that a lot of our students are, especially our male students get, get siloed into you're just the athlete and we're going to move you through. But, and it's hard to be a student athlete and get all of the, um, and, and this is why I want you to talk about all of the extra accolades that go with being a student athlete or being a student in general, you know, getting the good grades, being involved in organizations, doing volunteer work, all of these, you know, internships, all of these things play a part in your future positioning. And we're going to position ourselves for success and kind of speak on what, what that looks like for the new generation of students coming up, because I tell them it's hard. Like student athletes probably have it harder than regular students. Oh, absolutely. They do. And, you know, I'm so glad that you asked that question. You know, you remind me uh, when you were in school and you were just talking about your experiences, you remind me of my God brother, uh, his name is Craig and, he was the same way um, and he played basketball and he was really good at it, but he always, you know, it seemed like he just was a cut above and not to make him better than anyone, but he was, he 4.0 and above student in different organizations. You know, it wasn't, I'm a basketball player. I'm a basketball player and I do this and I do this. And so it does, it does seem as if on the male side, when you have that student, it's not as celebrated as the kid who just does basketball. And it's, it's sad, but it is a sad truth. And doing the women's side, you know, I tell them all the time, and it, and it helps that I walk the same hallways, that I played in the same gym. My mom was not going to allow me to play basketball uh, if I didn't get the other things in order first. Mm. You know, student athlete, with the punch being on the word student. Athlete comes second. That is an extracurricular activity. Now, does it allow us and it does it help us give an avenues for our young people to have opportunities? Absolutely. But I think somewhere along the lines, the conversation turned from doing both, from being an academically well-rounded student who also plays basketball, then to just say, hey, they're athletic, everything else can wait. And as you know, their head coach and their mentor. I tell my young ladies all the time that the ball stops dribbling and you can insert whatever sports you're in there. The ball will stop dribbling at some point. And when it does, what have you placed in yourself? What have you equipped in your arsenal to be able to keep moving and being successful? Because these knees don't last. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> these knees don't last. And you know, what else is there for you? I did an interview um, with a Kathy Pondexter a while back, and I was so thankful for her transparency because what she said to us coaches that I relate to my young ladies was that I played basketball all of my life. And once I retired, I literally, I pretty much told myself and was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder because I did not know what comes next. So I try my best to give my young ladies exactly what you just said, letting them know the importance of an education and that they know they cannot come under a 3.0. That's the standard that I set. Mm -hmm. Well, 
2.0 is what we need to be eligible. 3.0 is what you need to be eligible with me. And if you can't get down with that, if you're arguing with me about academics, you don't need to be on this team. That's one. And the funny thing about it is our average has been close to a 3.5 every year for the past 10 years. So the second thing is being involved in the community, serving. You know, Mm -hmm. when you serve other people, that places you in a greater sense of maturity. But not only that, with this generation, they feel that everything is about them. It helps them to humble themselves and understand that there are greater causes bigger than themselves, bigger than their cell phones, bigger than some Jordans that they wait outside for. And so we try to cultivate a holistic experience with our program. Being a member of Delta Sigma Theta, that's what I've been taught. And so that's what I kind of align with my young ladies. Scholarship first service and then we're going to have some sisterhood not just with our team but with everybody that we meet because we're here to just waste time we're here to leave a mark and and that's what we steer within the lady cougars basketball program at gabby high school oh that's fabulous (laughs) that is see and i I think uh like so I teach group fitness classes and my life prep program, which I mentioned before the podcast that I designed is based upon using group fitness as the uh, physical element or the, the fitness element to the okay. program. And um, because I designed it to be a bridge program in the summertime where they, they're not necessarily have a set um schedule of workouts with their team and different things like that and because you know when you go a summertime and, and you off for and away from your your team your high school your your um your college like you get out of shape you ain't doing the same thing <laughs> yes you do <laughs> you get way out of shape and and the program that i designed is a, a gradual and and why I mentioned that is the fitness component is group fitness and group fitness is ninety five percent to ninety nine percent women uh, based like women only take group fitness classes. I'm like the only group fit or the only male in the group fitness classes that I teach and participate in. Right. So. Right. Um, and I grew up with all women. Okay. And I, okay. I've always worked with all women and it was like, I'll probably be a, a, a girl dad like Kobe. Like I was like, I didn't like Kobe <laughs> for a long time. And I was like, man, we, we more like than, than, than I, than I, I believed, right. you know, and just him being a, a girl dad, I was like, I'll probably be a girl dad. Cause I'm always around uh, women and, and, I, I treat the the little girls at my high school as as my little sisters and and even the little brothers. But the the brothers, because I'm too like mild manner in my nature. Like I don't I'm not forceful with like you need to do this 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 and this. Like I'm I'm like cool. Like if you want to listen, but the women they they perceive it better and they receive it better. So I just I, I'm just like I'll probably be working with mostly women <laughs> <laughs> my my program will probably be geared towards uh the female because they will do the classes and they're they like that that atmosphere um but i mean it, it, that's amazing what you're doing with your your ladies i wish I we had that. a lot more coaches male coach or you know um boys coaches and and 
and young men coaches at the high school and college level that believe the same way you believe. And we do, but, but I don't see them. And, and when I talk to them, like I, I can't work with, uh, well, when I don't get that vibe, like I can work with you when I talk to you, I can get that vibe and be like, Hey, I can, I want to enhance whatever she's doing. But yeah. it seems to me that when I talk to coaches of, of boys and young men, that they have a different mentality and I'm not trying to change their culture. I just want to enhance it. But right. your, your right. culture is, 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 in, is clashing with what I'm trying, how I'm trying to enhance it. Does that make sense? It makes a whole lot of sense. And, I, and then I just shy away from your quote. What'd you say? <laughs> I said, I told you I was going to steal a lot of your quotes. <laughs> and you don't even know me, though. I don't, I don't even know I had quotes like that. <laughs> Most people don't, because when you speak in pure you know, authenticity, it, that's the pureness of your heart. But it speaks volumes um, in what you're saying. A lot of people do believe that we're coming to try to re redirect or change what you're trying to do. And it's like, no, I'm not trying to take your job. I'm not trying to take over. I'm just strictly trying to enhance what you're doing because at the end of the day, it's about the young people, right? So. Yes. Yes, definitely. Man. And it, and you can, you can walk the walk, like you can talk it and you can be more strict with it because you've been through it. Absolutely. And I meet a, I meet a lot of coaches on the male side or on the boys and, and young men side that like they're coaching kids to go to the next level, but they didn't even play at the next level. They just love coaching. And I'm like, you know, how can you hold them to a, another? Well, you can hold them to another standard, but um, the the way that you walk and the way that you hold your your young ladies to a, a higher standard has validity you see what i'm saying i see exactly what you're saying and that's one of the things that i stress to them and you know my parents when we have meetings i tell them all the time i'm not asking your young lady to do anything that a i did not do or b i will not do and the proof is in the pudding i tell them that all the time i said i don't as you and i spoke before the podcast began i said i don't like reading my bio but one of the things that the bio does is it tells you factual information on who I am. So mm -hmm. the thing that I'm aligning your young lady with is all the tools that I had to be where I am. Even down to receiving my master's, you know, I would say 50% of that was for my own personal goals. But 50% mm -hmm. was because I needed my young ladies. I started mentoring a while ago. And so now they were in college. And I personally believe that you have to make sure that you're walking the walk, just like you said. And so if my young ladies are about to finish college, coach, you got to step up and get moving. And that's what I told myself. And so while they're in school and I'm telling them the importance of academics, while they're on the bus rides or in the van rides, and I'm saying, get your work done while we're on the way, because on the way back, it's going to be dark and you're going to be tired. Coach was doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And what they started to realize is that, well, if coach is doing this, you know, maybe I need to go ahead and listen, you know, and being it helps that I did, like I said, attend the same school. And yes, I played on the next level and I just keep it real with them. It's not all gear and, you know, social media posts and 
you know, hype videos and all those things. That's not what you see. I think even I forget who put a, a commercial out there a while ago about the student athlete. And I'm like, that is not at all mm-hmm. what athlete in college experience is. If you're not ready to get up at 5 a.m. to work out, if you're not ready to then have to go to mandatory breakfast, go to class from 8 a.m. to 12, then go to individuals, then go to a lab because I was a science student at three or four o'clock and then go from practice at four to eight o'clock and then go to mandatory dinner and then have curfew and do that every single day. If you're not for ready, four straight years, for four straight years. Yes. <laughs> If you're not ready for that, it's not just games. It's not just putting my stats up. It's not just winning accolades. It is a pure grind. And to to understand that, that yes, the harvest is amazing that you're going to reap from it. But that seed that you have to sow before you get there, it's hard work. And you Mm -hmm. have now. It doesn't just pop up when you sign on the line. I have to build that in you the four years that you're with me. Exactly. And I tell people all the time, uh, like I'm so with the time management and organization, like just that experience of doing all those things through that four years that I was playing basketball and are going to school and playing basketball like that prepared me for life. And even in my master's program right after that, like I held a full-time position, a part-time position, went to school full-time. I even traveled with my full-time position. So I was I was still doing the same stuff, but but the work, that work ethic was already ingrained in me. I I I I cultivated that before I even knew what I was going to be doing that was going to position me for getting my masters for uh as a graduate assistant right. and then getting out into the real world. And when I got out into the real world, I graduated with my master's degree in 2009. So it was in the middle of the Great Recession. Right. And uh, I mean, I had bachelor's degree, double major, um, uh, certification in nonprofit management, you know, uh, master's degree, work history. Like I had all the references, everything. When I got out, it was like, we ain't got no jobs for you. And if we do got a job for you, overqualify. And we don't want you to come in here and take my job. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so I had to work with what I had. And and then that, and I talked to a, a lot of the people that I, um, well, I call, we grew up around as far as that period of time, the when, when I went to high school or college, I mean, um, getting out during that time of the great recession kind of molded us into being more uh, versatile in the things that we learn and the, and the things that we position ourselves as far as you, you call it um, a stacking. I call it stacking your talents. And uh, some of my, my, um, my classmates, like some educator, DJ, um, financial planner, uh, you know, they do all of these different things within what they do because we we graduated during the Great Recession and, and there wasn't right. out there, anything out there for us. So we was like, we're going to add this, add this, and then that turns into multiple streams of income. And now you continue doing that, but the hard work is doing it. <laughs> no, I totally agree with that. I totally agree. You said a mouthful there. 
And uh, so the reason why we are here is because you are, am I saying it right, co-author of the HBCU Queens book? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yes, absolutely. So what is that about? And I have a lot of students that I I work at a a predominantly minority um, school and all of the the young African-American females and males, they all want to go to the HBCUs. and, And so tell me about your experience and your experience and what you want. Uh, people to get from the book, our young queens to get from the book. Absolutely. So I'm so thankful for the opportunity from Ashley Little, who actually reached out um, for me to actually join this project. And it is exactly what it says. It's pretty much, you know, young queens um, from different walks of life and actually different generations. That has been the amazing part about this project. Um, Queens who actually just give their perspective of their reigns as HBCU queens. And not only that, how their reign um, at the time where they were queens of their college or university has helped shape them into who they are now and what we're doing now. And so, you know, there's quite a few of us and, you know, my chapter talks about my walk as Miss Livingstone College uh, in Salisbury, North Carolina, and just the ups and downs, but how shaped me into who I am today. And so that book, you can look at so many different stories of each queen, but it kind of delves into a little bit more about who we are. Sometimes people think the queen is just the crown and the sash. And we just kind of talk about how those challenges built us for what we endure today as black women. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't go to an HBCU. Um, at, how, how was your experience? Uh, because, I mean... It, look, it sounds like it set you up to be massively successful and and be able to do exactly what you want to do and not just what society tells you you need to do or it expects you to do. Absolutely. So I grew up and I'm from Tallahassee, Florida um, and right outside of Tallahassee, Florida in Gainesville, uh, not Gainesville, I'm sorry, in Gaston County. So damn you, the top HBCU in the nation is right here in my backyard. So I grew up around that. All of my family are family rattlers, you know, and I went to Livingstone College on a basketball scholarship. And most people believe when they say HBCU, they immediately start thinking what the bands homecoming, right? All those mm-hmm. things, you know, paraphernalia. But one of the biggest things I need people to understand is, yes, that's the celebration part of it. But one thing that HBCUs do for you is they give you a village. You know, I I tell people all the time, you know, we've been growing up on that African proverb. It takes a village to raise a child. But that is getting lost in translation in this newer generation. And that's what an HBCU experience is going to give you. It's going to give you a professor and a parent. It's going to give you a coach and a mentor. But it's going to give you people that I like to say all the time is always up in your business. And what I mean about that is not only are you getting the, the education, I received a biology and chemistry degree. But I understood how to use that biology and chemistry degree in America as a black woman. See, there's an Mm -hmm. experience to that. You know, sometimes for other people, and let's just be real about it, for other races and for the male population, you can say, I received a chemistry degree and a biology degree. And I'm being told how to use that degree in America. For black people and a black woman, 
there's a dot, dot, dot after I received my degree. And what mm-hmm. it did for me personally, and I know that they continue to do for our young people, is not only allow them to have an education, they build them for how to utilize and navigate that education, not only in the workforce, but in America as a black and brown woman or man. And, you know, I still talk to my professors. I still talk to even my president of the institution. You know, he even has sent me a gift at my wedding. You receive a village that doesn't stop when you walk across the stage and they call your name. They continue to watch you as you continue because they place an, a deposit in you and they're not going to stop until they receive a return on their investment. And they're not talking about giving back. Yes, we want to do that so we can create better leaders, but they're talking about you being successful. And that's mm-hmm. what HBCUs will give you. Man. And uh, talking about uh, like mentoring, like you said, a professor and a, a parent type thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I talk to a lot of people. I'm in different arenas of uh, it, that. I I just am around people, and I get to talk with people. And maybe it's just me being all of my feelings because I'm part introvert. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems like uh, that people are like, I don't know how to say, explain it, but. You, you should do this because I did it this way. Understood. And when you say that to, especially a young person, it's like, man, I don't see it that way type of thing. And I wonder if HBCUs give a different feeling to that because like if people look at me like I don't have a, a, a plan or it, it feels like, like I said, I might be getting into my feelings, but it feels like they like... <laughs> Like, like I don't have a plan or something because people talk to me like, like, like I don't have all of these accomplishments throughout the last 18 years. And when I say I'm going to do something, I actually do it. And when I'm talking and, and I don't try to talk to the students like, hey, you need to go to college or whatever. I talk them through what that looks like, whatever their whatever their plan is, or wherever their their direction is. And. I, I just hear a lot of people like, oh, you need to uh, do this and get married and, and buy a house. And I'm like, that that path is not for everybody. And it don't look the same way for every single person. No, it so, does not. And that's the ahead. thing. We have to just, and that's the part just going on what you said that, you know, that experience also gave me is you have to do what's best for you. You know, that path is not the same. I'm going to give you the tools, but you have to learn to navigate what's best for you. Um, and so I totally agree with what you're saying. Some people believe that there's a checklist at a timetable for when you should be at this point and when you should be. But that's not the case. You have to do what's best for you. I saw this meme out there, you know, years ago, and it, and it still, you know, circulates around every now and again. And it says, you know, some of the most successful people didn't start their business to 40 and 50 years old. Stop trying to live your life on a timeline that everybody else is telling you about. You mm-hmm. have to do best for you and what is in God's timing for you. Man, you, you preach it to the choir. <laughs> <laughs> you preach it to the choir. I'm, I'm, because like I've always accomplished things that I said I was going to do. Right. And, and at, at some point in time, or at a point in time, it was like, 
I have to make a change and almost a drastic change that 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 goes away from the traditional path because I uh, like from my eyes and more, my perspective the 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 traditional way of doing things was not working so me being a sports like if if that play ain't working over and over and over why do I keep on doing the same play I need to change up the play and I probably need to do it drastically if I'm going to win this game and the game is called life that's it <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I try to get to all people because I'm a life coach too and people okay. try to niche me down and um, oh you need to just talk with students or uh, student athletes or whatever I talk to everybody because through my um, my journey and, and my accomplishments and the experiences that I went through gave me a, and 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 a lot of the books that I read like I read a lot of books to make the connections to success that helps me like understand people's circumstances and I can I can jump into somebody's circumstances and be like hmm if I was in those in their <laughs> shoes I can I would do this I would do right. that or to better position myself but it all takes work and uh, I'm I'm about to transition into a, another piece but um my my I, I have a, I built I created a philosophy for individual achievement that um, takes people's circumstances and they can plug and play these uh, different elements to success to help make them a blueprint. And what what has been holding me back from like getting all this out here is that people want me to be niche niche or whatever <laughs> they they want me to be specific and i'm like where whoever i'm in front of if i'm in front of a group of little girls that i'm teaching zumba to or i'm in front of my students or or i'm in front of the uh, the the people at the gym the <laughs> my peers you know i can contribute to uh, the their success you just have to believe like you don't have to look at I don't have the same circumstances, but I have this formula for success that, hey, we can make a blueprint to all we have to do is put in the work. And a right. lot of people don't want to put in the work, but planning it out, you have to have a direction and planning it out and then do the, uh, take action on your plan. And I'm just like, how do we get get people to make the connection between um their life and success is, is kind of what I'm asking because right. if I look at the students that we deal with, um, we want them to see the future. But like I was at a conference, a, a man of color conference for the students and mm -hmm. they were like, we're giving you all this information, all this information and you got to use it. But how do I use it? Like, <laughs> right, right. yeah, I, I hear the information, but how do I use it? And, and that's where I come in. I'm like, this is how you use it. You have a, we use reverse engineering. We have a goal. We uh, have the correct mindset. We uh, make a plan and we take action. I happen, I happen to have a formula, which is called work hard, which is based around <laughs> the premise of the 10,000 hour rule. It takes 10,000 hours to be really good at something. Mm -hmm. So, but what are we doing in that 10,000 hours? And if we can get the kids and I, I say that uh, the students and the kids, 
I talk about them because I know they're coming up and we have to we have to catch them on the way. Right. But this this works for everybody that um, you have to be. And it's called work hard. It, it's W.R.K.H.R.D. It means willing to reuse knowledge, habits and resources diligently. And you I can like ask that. yourself that question and it can be a statement. Am I willing to reuse knowledge, habits, and resources diligently to get what I want? You need to reuse work, you know, work hard for what you want. And right. there's I, I for for elements to success, which in my studies, this is this is what the highly successful talk about. And you did it. Like we can look at your stats and you did all of this. You have to have that goal to start out with. And I think, and I was talking to somebody yesterday about we don't own our goals, and and obviously, and we don't even know if that goal is our own. Right. <laughs> do right. you ever do you ever encounter that? Yeah, absolutely. And too too often, um, I feel it's the best thing that you said. You know, we can teach our young people and give them the tools for success, but we have to also take the training wheels off and remove our hand because some. Mm-hmm. A thin line between trying to give them the tools and trying to feed them the dreams that we never achieved or the goals we never achieved. And that's what I see a lot in education. And that's what I definitely see um, in the basketball world, that we try to steer our young people into what we want them to be. And I don't mean successful. We all want them to be successful, but we have to give them a chance to get out there and figure it out. We have to give mm-hmm. them to figure out what their own dreams are. And that's why I feel a lot of times more so on the athletic side of things, we're pushing young people based off what we want, based off what our own personal self-image may have missed out on. You know, maybe we're reliving our hoop days or insert your own sport. And I see that. But we have to ensure, just like what you said, we give them the tools. We talk to them about what's necessary, the hard work, all those things that we know what it takes to be successful. And we have to tell them, and encourage them along the way. When they walk across the stage in high school and we say, congratulations, we love you, you did it. So often we're leaving those kids behind. When's the last time we checked up on them? And when we we start to realize that, yes, you're going to fail, but you need to make sure that you're learning from these mistakes and that your dreams are your own. You know, Mm I hear all the time that years later, they come back and say, I didn't want to do this. Like they're changing their major three and four times. And they're saying, I really didn't want to do this, but that's all I was told. You Mm -hmm. have to see all the time in a transfer portal because they went to a school because what? The D1, and that can be a whole nother podcast. The D1, tell these kids. But was that D1 school one a great fit for them? Was their talent aligned? Or did you as a coach want the accolade of posting this? And I got a kid to D1. We have to make sure that what we're doing is in the best interest of these young people not based off what we want. And I think if we do that, if we just give them the tools that's necessary, that's what we're here for. And then let them know, okay, as my mom used to say all the time, I'm going to clip your wings. And I know that when I clip them, I've equipped you with what you need to fly. Now you may fly the wrong direction, but that's okay. I'm going to be here. But it's not my job to tell you the direction you need to go in outside of the, the right and wrong and the tools necessary to be successful. And so talking to our peers, what what does success? I, I believe success is in the eye of the beholder. Totally so agree. how one, huh? I, I'm agreeing with you. I said I told oh, okay. you. 
and and how will one start because it took me a while to figure out what exactly my actual purpose was and mm-hmm. I was like I'm gonna go get it you know but I, I was also positioning myself for that opportunity when that opportunity came to to make that move right, right. um like talking to our peers somebody's that our age and um kind of in this time that you know people are losing their jobs and uh, different things like that like what would you say to somebody um about being uh, managing you know adversity absolutely you know I was always told and I'm sure you heard this as an athlete and growing up you know if your dreams don't scare you they are too small and I think so often we play it safe and in these times people have lost their jobs you know, people may have had businesses that were trying to work on and that's been inhibited by this pandemic and just everything that's going on. But I think this is also a time for, you know, us to reexamine those dreams sometimes. And we know in the corners of our minds that we maybe don't even share with anybody else other than ourselves. We have these dreams of more. We have these goals of more. And for whatever reason, we have a fear about why we should or should not tap into that. And I'm not saying everybody's religious, but I believe that God has a purpose for our lives. And if we have not asked, it's time to start asking what it is he would have us to do. Because in these times of a pause, and that's what we call it, a spiritual pause, we see it as a pandemic. But in these times of a spiritual pause, if you have that business plan, if you have that dream, that goal, whether it's to go back to school, whether it's to create a business, whether it's to create a young um, you know, initiative for young people to be able to get them and navigate them to success. I agree with you, Michael. Success is truly defined in the eye of the beholder, but success is moving from there to here. And I don't care if that's an inch or I don't care if that's a mile. It's time to get and do something. And I know we can be discouraged, especially if we lost our jobs, but consider, can we consider this just for a moment? What if we lost our jobs because it's time for us to have a, a career? What if we lost our jobs because it's time for us to initiate our purpose? And I think that when we think about it that way, it doesn't make it less hurtful because there's bills to be paid. There's tasks at hand. But I I know that success can be whatever we define it to be. But success takes place when your purpose and your talent align. And everybody was placed here for a reason. My pastor talked about it today and he said, you know, we have to live in the moment. And we so often say, well, I'm going to do this five years from now. Well, I have time. What about a day? And so as I tell my young people and even our peers, as you suggested, if you would have asked me five years ago if I would ever be a co-author for a book, I would have told you no. But it was in this pause and these opportunities that came. Did I say maybe I couldn't do it? Did I stall for a moment? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, we only have one life. That's it. We don't get a redo in this. There is no re. You know, I don't know that. I was going to say we don't get another second chance to come back and do it again. Um, some people believe in reincarnation, but I won't go off on that tangent. My whole point in all of this is there, there is a success for everybody, but that starts with understanding what our purpose is. And when you do that, and when you move those fears and inhibitions, you know, that success could even be getting that LLC registered. No one told you how to build Rome overnight, but if you build it, they'll come. And that's the biggest thing that I can say, not only to my young people, but especially to my peers, whatever that dream is. You know, we know that poem, what happens to a dream deferred. The time is now. Mm -hmm. now. Yeah, because like Nike did not start off as 
the Jordan brand. You know what I mean? And right. Nike started off in a garage of somebody's garage. Right. But it, it, we got to understand, especially as, as African-Americans, Black people, that we have to start somewhere and see it all the way through. And I just thought about this yesterday. I was like, we might as well think in terms of if we have an idea in terms of 10 years. So am I willing to put in that time for 10 years right. on this idea? Because we don't know what that is going to blossom into. You know, I started this podcast just in the pause and I didn't know it was going to blossom into. I, I got a connection to be a, a, a partner with the HBCU experience movement. You know what I mean? I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't even know my connections had that, that type of connection. But I started in anyways. And I took a big old pause beforehand. <laughs> like I had, I started my podcast in February on my birthday. And it was a year before where I created the actual account for the podcast. You know what I mean? So like, I yeah. didn't know what it was going to blossom into, but I kept it in the back of my mind. And, and I'm in this for the long haul. Like we have to be in it for uh, longevity and not the quick hitter and uh the quick money you know because absolutely. the money's gonna come if you put in the work absolutely i totally agree it's um the um host and founder of hbcu pride nation um travis he said the other day he said this has to be a movement and not just a moment and i think so often we get discouraged because dreams take time mm -hmm. this can be along the way but dreams take time and if you wanted to be your best i I, I know I wouldn't want to go. I tell my kids this all the time. I wouldn't want a C doctor. If my surgeon walked in and said, you know, hey, and they posted up just like they do at restaurants, the grade, he was a C, a C surgeon. I would look further, <laughs> you know, and so, <laughs> at the end of the day, things take time, you know, at the end of the day, things take time. And so we just have to learn to be able to be patient, but to move forward and be okay with, you know, making mistakes, you know, mm. so, most beautiful things happen, you know, from what we feel was an unplanned mistake. The stumbling and bumbling. That's I got, it. I got, a, I got another question for you because I sure. think about this all the time. My college days was so long and and I wouldn't say terrible, but like I didn't, like I ain't slept for <laughs> the past 18 years you know what I mean like a full night's sleep without without doing any you know what I mean stuff like that would you be able to go back and do it all over again oh absolutely I wouldn't you would I would I'm telling you but let me tell you why because even in those moments man like I have so many more pros to those moments you know I go back to just thinking about those days sitting in a dorm room or my, my apartment, you know, living room, talking all night to my teammates and to my line sisters and, you know, cramming for a test and getting it back and you got to be, or, you know, those socials, pledging, all these things. And, you know, it was hard, absolutely. But that's the, I tell my, my young people the hard stuff first. And then they say, well, why'd you do it? They'll ask the same question like you. And then I answered the same way that I just did for you. There were so many more good things and memories, you know, that I weighed that. But 
just like anything else, you know, anything that's worth having, you got to work hard for it. So absolutely, I'd do it again. I would do it again. I'm just saying, like, I don't I don't think I could do it again. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just like, oh, man, if I had to if I had to do it like from the beginning right now, this moment. I don't think I could do it. Because it was so tough, like you, you, you said it. Waking up at four a.m., being at practice, going to class. I scheduled all my classes in the morning because I knew we had. I had organization meetings. I had organization events. I had, you know, all of this stuff in the afternoon. I even had to do work study. Like I had to plan all that out. So, right. like, right at this moment, like I don't think I had to. Like, if I was to have to start it all over again, and I had to, you know. Like my life is different now, even though I I keep the the same the same type of schedule like I did. But mm-hmm. like to go through like all of the the workouts and the <laughs> the papers and <laughs> I was like, once I got my master's degree, I I had to do it all in one. And and if I if I was to get my PhD, I would like it have to add another zero to my my little pay- paycheck. I mean, hey, I hear that. Paycheck, you know what I mean? For I me to go that. back. <laughs> but uh, I was just like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't know. <laughs> it was just so hard and difficult. And, and people don't understand it because, like, I talked to people. I did my master's degree um, right after. And I was a graduate assistant. And I, we only got paid $400 a month. And I saw that's why I had to work the part-time night job to, to send money back home and, and different things like that. But also I was traveling because I was an admissions counselor and doing all this. And this is, I'm telling you, this is 11 years ago when I graduated. Right. And I, I, I just tell people like you, your job is paying for it and you get a full check. Like that motivation is different than you getting four hundred dollars meals and a, a place to lay your head <laughs> type of thing. <laughs> like you get a whole check and you get a whole weekend to uh, to spend that check or do whatever you need to do with your whole check. I have four hundred dollars before taxes. <laughs> wow! You know what I'm saying? Like that difficulty is. I don't think I could, I could, I, I would do it all over again. If I had to start from today, I could not do it again. I don't think, but if I had to, I probably, I, you know, I would make it happen. You I, know know you would. I know you would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a competitor. I kind of like, and the second part of my, my philosophy is I won't lose. You won't lose. We won't lose. That's kind of the mindset of, what you need to be as far as winning and losing and life is either winning and losing. I came from a sports background. Ain't no, ain't no, it ain't many ties. There are ties, but there ain't many ties. And if you plan for the championship and we all plan playing for the championship of life, like we trying to win in this game of life, there's no, there's no in between. Either we winning or we losing. And if even even in loss, I, I say I won't lose is is because arrogance. We don't want. I'm battling against arrogance because if I say all I do is win, 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 no matter what, like when I lose, I'm disappointed. But understanding winning and losing, you only lose and you only fail if you quit. 
That's and it. if you never if you never quit, you will never lose. So right. that that mentality is, is what we need to to um to to to. to I don't know how to say it. Uh, we to need embody. Yeah. <laughs> If we Absolutely. need to embody that that I won't lose. Like no matter what, no matter what adversity. And my favorite quote of all time is, "Every adversity comes with it the seed of its equivalent advantage." By uh, oh. uh, what's his name? Thinking Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. I like it. And that mentality has gotten me so so to the point of or just dealing in, in excellence. And when we talk about kids. I, the reason why I am so adamant about, like, we need to, we need to um, have our students focusing on excellence in whatever they do, because obviously the schooling system and stuff like that, it doesn't necessarily apply, but if we are operating in a spirit of excellence in whatever we choose to do, we're going to excel at it. And that's what everybody that I meet, I'm like, do it the best that you, of your ability. They don't pay you a lot, but that opportunity is preparing you for the next opportunity and the next right. opportunity. So if you don't give it all in the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, is going to uh, provide that opportunity when, when, when they see that you're doing the work. Right. <laughs> no, I totally agree. That's amazing. Um, so last question, words of wisdom. What what would you say to the the students, the our peers, and everybody? What what's some words of wisdom for our success journey? Because this is we're in life. We we in our success journey at all times, and we should be uh going towards success, which is in the eye of the beholder. What would you what what are some words of wisdom from the all-American all-star. <laughs> you are far too kind. You are far too kind. Um, you know, I was always taught, and like I said, you know, I never want to push religion on somebody that is not in that same belief system system as me. But I was always taught that, you know, get into God's word until God's word gets into you. And much like anything else, you know, you have to have a foundation to stand on in order to build brick by, brick by brick. And much like that house that is being built brick, brick by brick, you wouldn't want to stay in a home that is not stable. And so much like the successes in our lives, we have to make sure that everything that we're doing, you can't rush success. And you have mm-hmm. to make sure that each moment of our lives, we are one Asking God, what is our purpose? And I know sometimes people say that sounds cliche. We're here for a reason, right? And whose job is it to tell us what that is? You know, and so we have to ask God what our purpose is. And once we do that, we have to listen. You know, I listened to a friend of mine a while ago and she said, our pastor told her, okay, you prayed, but when you said amen, how long did you listen for what he said? You see, prayer is a conversation. And you and I both know that a conversation takes two people. It takes someone talking and then it takes somebody listening. And so when we pray and we say, man, we have to understand and wait for that and understand that his timing is not our timing. But the biggest thing in that, even if you're not spiritual, you have to make sure that your dreams scare you. Like I said earlier, if they don't scare you, they're not big enough. If you play it safe, 
What's the joy in being able to find those things? You said at the beginning of this podcast, Michael, that, you know, before it's over with, you want to create a, a place for disadvantaged young athletes to be able to help them succeed. And that starts with a dream. And if you don't have a dream, you don't have a foundation. So let's build those foundations. Once you do that, have faith enough in yourself. Have faith enough in yourself that it is time. Now is the time. That dream you've been dreaming, that you kept to yourself because you felt people would shoot it down, it's time to put it in action. That plan you've been saving that's been in your journal, it's time to put it in action. That job that you want to leave because you want to take the chance to get your own business, it's time to leave and put it into action. I feel that the only thing that holds us back is us. And the biggest thing that holds us back is fear. And today, fear needs to move away because the only thing that can stop you is you. If your dreams don't scare you, they are not big enough. Pray and ask God what your purpose is and move out of your own way. God is the foundation and it's time to build brick by brick. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Success is My Religion podcast. Go ahead and hit that five stars and leave me a review. And be sure to follow me on all social media platforms at Work Hard Movement. Work hard, work hard. Try to knock me down, can't count me out. Work hard, I work hard. Mill days off, I don't get no sleep. I go hard.